What's up, hey, brother? Man. Hear me okay? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was going to use my headphones, but I don't have anything else going on up here. So, all good. All right. Fantastic. Hey, Joey Perry, Joey Perry Martial Arts. Thanks for taking the time, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for asking me. Always well, hey, love talking martial arts world. So, it's all good. I know. Like, I, I have, I have like my main podcast. <laughs> I've done 65 episodes with just P- professors, just different people from like all walks of life. But I love talking about martial arts so much. I have multiple martial arts spinoff shows. This cool. would be this would be the general MMA show, and uh, then I have a jujitsu unraveled uh, nice. as well. So yeah. Well, have you unraveled any mysteries that people need to really know yet? Man, we've really dug into a lot of things. You know, uh, definitely pulled at some uh, threads and fibers. So push some uh, buttons, yeah. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, maybe, perhaps. Uh, some of the guests, I'm sure, have. You know, you, you can't really control what other people say. No, you just got to make the most of it. And you, you, you hope that, that it hits at some point, I guess, you know? Yeah, for sure, for sure, man. Imagine having, like, uh, Eddie Bravo and stuff on your podcast where he's just like, let's talk about 9-11. That's what he said, <laughs> just in the middle Aliens. of an argument. Aliens, <laughs> oh, swear. Yeah. Hey, I'll talk about aliens. I'll talk about 9-11. Talk about whatever. We'll get views, too. That's the, I think that's why people are doing it more than anything. Yeah, it's all good, man. Good for you, brother. I love it. Yeah. Well, uh, so let's like, okay, so I, basically, I, I first met you, I believe, first met you at the uh, event Caleb had in front, through Inferno at the Mount Magazine, the, the winter yep. camp, right? Yeah, that's right. And <clears throat> I saw you do like a like a jumping kick, like Liu Kang style over like 27 people. No exaggeration. No, minor exaggeration. But but then like right after that, right after that. So that was all I knew about you is like I did. I was in that class and saw that and was like, wow, that's never seen anything like this. And then I go to to Super Show for the first time ever that year. And you're you're performing with the West Coast demo team. And I'm like, oh, this guy's. But that's amazing, right? So, like, you're you're um you're kind of posted up in. Yeah, I know you have multiple locations, but are you in Jonesboro? Is that your primary location? Yes. Yeah, you know, over. Uh, I mean, not to go back into history because that's not what you're asking me. But yeah, over the years, we've had different studios and different locations, and you know, I've been able to try a lot of different things, and you know, kind of give some different opportunities. But right now, everything located right here in Jonesboro. But this is this is been the main you know i opened up in newport was my very first studio i owned uh even though i was living here and then two years later was able to open up a studio here so we've been here ever since and obviously this was the hub and 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 the the biggest of you know any of the opportunities i've had so yeah mainly out of jonesboro right yeah well to get into some of the history because i you know that's part of my interest i'm sure in podcasting i I teach i teach history uh, in at the college level so i'm i'm i love talking with people about like i asked a pretty stereotypical question to everybody is like okay so you're doing these jumping kicks over all these people and you're on the west coast demo team like how how did you how did that process start and get to where i first started charting you you know what i'm saying like when did you like yeah. how, how'd you get your start in martial arts uh you know all right 
the uh, you know, I'm kind of a, a old old school kid, but I was a Karate Kid, like one of the original Karate Kids, you know. So when that movie came out '84, uh, you know, my dad was like a you know he loved westerns and John Wayne and Chuck Norris, you know. So even as a little kid, maybe I wouldn't, you know, maybe I shouldn't have, but even as a little kid, I got to watch a lot of Chuck Norris movies and really kind of get into all that, and you know, thought it was cool, and then. You know, I remember that when Karate Kid came out, uh, I didn't get to go see it in the movies, and it wasn't really on my radar for some reason as a little guy. But then, like, we went to my uh, aunt's or something for the summer visit, and then we had it on VHS, which was a new thing. We didn't even have a VCR in our house in 85 yet. You know, we were still working on that. Uh, you know, my mom was a, a factory worker. My dad was a diesel mechanic. So, uh, you know, when we got a VCR, we were big time. But, uh Anyway, man, we, you know, I, I saw the movie flipped out. I, like, I got to do karate. I love it. You know, like I, I'm, I'm going to, you know, and of course, then you thought you wanted to be Daniel, you know, the hero or whatever. And of late with all the Cobra Kai series, it's like maybe oh, is a lot cooler, you know, but that, that's a whole other thing. Right. But, uh, oh, speaking of. Oh, nice. I've got my, my, my Johnny and Daniel here. So uh, this is actually, you know, Karate Kid was actually responsible for me starting, I guess, just, you know, between Chuck Norris movies and just, you know, going in with karate stuff and more shorts in general. Um, but anyway, I got lucky because, like, we came back and for a few months I just bugged him to look around and, like, my little third-grade girlfriend uh, had gymnastics and there was a, a Taekwondo guy doing something there she's like joe you're always talking you know like there's a karate guy you know because nobody knows what it is he was like oh it's all karate doesn't matter if you're doing jiu-jitsu if you're wearing a uniform and a belt oh it's a karate guy you know until people really actually realize what you're doing that that's another subject too but um anyway so we go up there and, and uh convinced my mom to take me up there and check it out and big demonstration and uh i saw there was a couple guys demonstrating and jumping and spinning and they were breaking boards and i was like man this is awesome i want to do that and you know it was a whopping like 20 bucks a month or something i, I think to join and Man, it was a big decision. You know, it was a big choice because it was like, okay, you're going to do an instrument. You're going to do this martial art thing. You know, we don't have all the money. And, you know, I, I chose that. And uh, I think it worked out for me in, in some way. Um, so, yeah, you know, in eight, 85, I did that. And, and that was kind of the Christmas present that year. And never looked back. And, and um, you know, over the years, just training is traditional Taekwondo is what it was and uh, you know old school taekwondo so a lot of the guys in the region you guys know danny dream uh master dream uh you know really my traditional taekwondo beginning and the network of people i was involved with here in arkansas all of those guys were connected you know you talk about the history you know and, and i know you know maybe not a lot of people that listen to this in particular you know think about the karate or taekwondo history of anything in the region you know primarily but with somebody like master dream who's so well renowned in all those areas you know i mean his his reach you know whether you're you're in his network you're not whether you know him you don't you know whether whatever uh his his history in this region is huge and it reaches traditional plus it reaches mma so um you know, just on that little tip of the cap there. But, you know, a lot of his, his, his group were always also mixed in with my group whenever we got started. So, you know, kind of come from a little bit of that same vein and um, man, you know, and then fast forward through the years as a kid, man, I was I always loved jumping and flipping and, and I didn't know how to flip, 
but I mean, I loved jumping, flying, was rambunctious, uh, had a junior black belt, you know, through my teen years and was a little hot shot in a little organization and, um, you know, got to competing and got better at that and, you know, sport karate kind of stuff, you know, taekwondo competition, traditional, you know, forms, that type of thing. Uh, and then, you know, when I was about 17 uh, is when I got the chance to open my own studio and take over a club in Newport. And that was my senior year in high school. I did that. And taught my mom and dad and give me $5,000 to buy the equipment and buy the thing, you know, it's like a whopping five grand to buy a studio, which was amazing. I wish I had that opportunity now, right? Right. Yeah, you can't, you know, even, get, you can't even get mats for that. Oh, bro. Yeah, well, we didn't have mats. It was rainbow carpet. And I don't even know what that meant. You know, I'm just saying it was rainbow carpet when I took over the place on concrete. And I thought I was lucky that we had concrete. Because growing up, we were, you know, I mean, we were on concrete or we were on wood that was splintered or, you know, we worked out in Hulk. I, my growing up traditional training was so hole in the wall gym. It's just like now, like you think about the BJJ MMA gyms, you think about the guys just getting beat up and it's a little hole in the wall gym. What well, that was the kind of bring I had in the Taekwondo karate world, you know, like a, a lot of good dudes, you know, and a lot of good stuff, but man, they had no, there was no like trying to be professional or, or, you know, they just, they broke away from all that, the old like the ATA Taekwondo people and they just didn't want to be like that, you know, I mean, so it was very rogue for a while and I think everybody's come full circle now, but Anyway, man, you know, I did that, and, and then I got into, I met uh, Max Bishop, you know, if you know Max Bishop, and uh, the, I've the met, people I've around met Max group. a couple of times, but, um, like, that's somebody I've thought a couple of times that would be interesting to do a podcast or something with, because I don't know a lot about Max, but could oh you? Oh, my God, you got it, like. I know, I know he has sick leg locks, that's, I know that much. Man, no, like, Max, as good as he is, he's, he's as good as he is at, you know, all things MMA, and I mean, because he's a lifer, he's a tough SOB. Uh, I mean, he's phenomenal master level, you know, from the Go Korchavichian background. And just, I mean, all this stuff. I can't even do him justice talking about his, his credentials, but um, he can tell stories. Like his storytelling is, is way better than any of his martial arts. I mean, yeah, you get him on here. Like, you know, come on here. He could tell you, like, it's unbelievable, man. That guy is so wild. But back in the day when we first met, he was just the meanest son of a bitch and, uh, you know, family podcast. I got to watch it. Right. Like my studio, but, uh, you know, it, he was, he was still like just crazy hurting people that come in his gym and wanted to prove everybody grappling and MMA was, was great. And karate and stuff was not, and you know, come from that cloth. Um, but we hit it off, man. I went to some local Ozark tournament and there was some really good people there. So, I mean, the, the little, the tournament and the, quality of what was going on around us um no knock on that I mean, everybody doing whatever they were doing you know we were there to support that now max was there for a different reason he was there to like sh you know show those guys that they didn't really know their martial arts they weren't doing you know he could choke them out because they had a grappling guy or an mma guy and he was somehow offended that they thought somebody in the area was better than him. I mean, that was Max back in the day. It was hilarious, but he went and, and he did, he did do a demo and he did like choke their guy out and on the floor. And then he wanted to use me cause he saw me compete in the karate stuff. And I was jump spin kicking people in the head and I won all the karate stuff. And he's like, dude, you're, you're like, why are you even here? And you know, he was being complimentary. He was being really cool. And uh, I was like, and I was like you, man, I had just heard of him up to that, that point even though he lives like 25 miles from me at the, at that time, we had never crossed paths. And uh, he came up being real cool, man. And I was like, 
man, everybody said you're an a-ho, you know, and, and blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, I am, you know. I'm like, well, I, I guess we all can be, bro. I said, but if you're good at what you do, it's all good. He said, man, like, I watched you. He's like, you're legit. Like, you're different on these people, man. It's like, will you do a demo with me? And I'm like, well, I don't want you to break my leg, bro. I'm, you know, I was, I was competing because, like, I was in the middle of my sport karate competition career. I was winning state championships. I was competing on NASC on the national tour. I was ranked. I was on the team. I'm like, man, I've got a big tournament in three weeks. You know, sponsored. I can't get hurt. I mean, I got to train and things happen. But going out on a gym floor with you that I just met, and I know that you break people, probably not on the top of the list, you know? But um, we did it anyway, you know, I mean, I, I, I was young, dumb and tough enough and I trusted him. I could just tell I was like, no, this dude, it, you know, I saw what he did with the other guy. I'm like, at least he knows what he's doing and he's, you know, he's legit. Um, and man, we put on a show, you know, I basically kickboxed with him and he showed takedowns and grappling. And a lot of those people had never seen any of that. They had never seen the transitioning because a lot of those guys that were there were old school Ozark Mountain type, uh, Taekwondo, Tang Sudo, old school karate guys, freestyle stuff. And then there's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And to see some grappling and MMA come in um, was, was really new to those guys. And then they were all kind of scared of it anyway. And then Max being kind of a jerk, <laughs> that didn't help because they didn't want to be around him or they just wanted him to go away. And he wasn't going away, you know. But, you know, we, met, we hit it off around then, which was really great for me because that helped me transition to the next phase of my martial arts training. You know, I'd spend all that time, uh, you know, honing sport karate skills and traditional skills. And <clears throat> I'd also opened my studio and was running that. So putting all that together, but when I met him, it changed, man, just because I started learning grappling and the MMA world and looking at things differently and, uh, you know, expanding what my skill set was. I didn't really want to go into that world. You know, I didn't want to, you know, go into the belts and the levels. I didn't want to really fight. Because I already kind of had my thing. I had my competition thing. I, you know, was doing really well with the sport karate world. And, uh, you know, and I loved that. That was my passion. But I really dug learning all the other stuff. And I, I loved it all. So, uh, yeah, man, I mean, since then, I've always been just a mixed martial artist in a sense. But not in the sense of, you know, you've never seen me in the cage. Now, I did some kickboxing fights when I was a teenager. Um, my buddy Billy Owens, a couple of us, you know, we did, we had a few fights and, uh, on the Lafayette Lawson cards, remember Lafayette Lawson? Yeah, 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 I do. That crew, you know, so we, we were, we were the kids back in that era and, uh, we had a lot of fun with that, man. But up until I met Max, I'd never really had that big introduction to the whole other world and that really changed. And now being, as we transitioned, uh, we got out of the Taekwondo stuff. And I was independent. And to very much answer your original question now, uh, I skipped a lot. But leading up to that, that's when I reached out to Ernie Reyes. And I was like, hey, I love West Coast. And I love you. I've been to your seminars. Very much like what you said. I went to Vegas, went to super shows. I grew up watching Ernie Reyes Jr. on freaking movies and TV. Red Sonia. Yeah, Whoa. man. Red so I mean, all of it. And I'm like, I know you guys are legit martial artists. I see how you treat people when you're around. I know your organization is strong. Um, I know you're evolving humbly. You know, here's my background. I'd love to join to be an outside school. And, you know, this guy, he calls me like Ernie Reyes, like Master Reyes, who Black Belt Magazine Hall of Famer, all this stuff, calls me personally, which is big. I'm horrible on phone calls, but this guy's like all about it. And he calls me personally. We talk, we kind of do an interview, just like a job. And then he sends me all these things to do. 
And uh, you know, I videoed my studio, videoed me teaching classes, interviewed parents, and basically it was him interviewing us. And then we kind of we got connected, and then we got welcomed in, and uh, we've been with them ever since. And I, you know, I, I don't know what the future of the association holds. You know, as Master is, you know, is, is you know, continuing on like he's an alien. He's he never stops. But um, you know, I was. It's been a really great journey the last 15, 16 years being with them because it helped me evolve even even more, especially from a mentorship point of view. But uh, my early years of being with West Coast was a lot of fun because not only learning all the stuff there. Uh, but being on the action team and being able to do demonstrations and go to Vegas and performing the shows. And let me tell you what, man, those guys, like, I don't keep like, like martial arts performance wise, that's very blended. I mean, from doing MMA sections to grappling things that they've taken from Frank Shamrock and, you know, those guys blending that in with, you know, the stand up and then, the, you know, the traditional, you know, Taekwondo stuff and then the Filipino knife and stick work. It, I mean, it, what they're doing has been such an evolution. And when you see a demo, like at the super show, it's all the flash and it's all like, boom, like this is cool, you know, but a lot of those guys get in there and fight, you know, they do K one and a lot of the people in the association, uh, there was Scott Coker, Scott Coker who's the head of Bellator is from West coast. He's an Ernie Reyes black belt. He's I had no idea. You didn't know that? No. Scott wow. Coker, Scott Coker is like an eighth degree, West Coast black belt grew up. He was an original member of the Ernie Reyes action team back in the eighties. Wow. Yeah. I, had no idea. I, feel like I haven't heard your voice in five minutes. You're listening like Joey won't even yeah. let him talk, but got me right. Oh man. Yeah. I'm sitting here. I'm tuned in, man. So just keep, <laughs> uh, keep educating. Well, not Scott Coker, man. I mean, and everybody, you know, hopefully, you know, your listeners, people know Scott Coker, obviously so big in the MMA world has done so much. Right force. Yeah, there you go. And that's where I was going to rewind to is that he actually started Strike Force, and Strike Force was started out of San Jose, which was a base with Ernie Reyes and the West Coast team kind of helped catapult that out there. And, you know, they, they, they had so many deals back in that era when Ernie started doing full contact Muay Thai. So little Ernie, the actor, flips and starts doing full contact kickboxing and is freaking undefeated and goes in the Muay Thai realm off ISKA wins the title and then you know retires from that to try to kind of have another crack at Hollywood but like that was crazy and then that whole era really helped them bring in the full contact guy get hooked up with like Javi Mendez out of AKA and and Daniel Cormier who now is the wrestling coach for West Coast so like Master Reyes, to his credit, with West Coast, it's very blended. It's very modern. Um, I mean, it's still mainly a bunch of people you're never going to see in the cage or really go to that level. Um, but it's a lot of people, especially like the school owners and the high-level black belts because of what Master Reyes did back in the day and Scott Coker's influence and those guys. I mean, it's a very – it's a great MMA program for people that can go into something bigger, you know, without the pressure of feeling like they're in an MMA gym or a BJJ gym um, if they knew the difference or if they felt some kind of difference. You know, it's very family-friendly. So I think it's brilliant. It's probably one of the – it's probably the future of people like me, probably the future of school owners like me and people that come from my background. If they're smart and they're well-rounded and they're interesting in uh, interested in – being a better martial artist, giving more value to their students, then you've got to keep learning. You know, you don't have to do everything. You don't have to learn BJJ just because you did karate or vice versa. But, you know, you want to be the best martial artist. You want to be the best instructor. You want to keep growing. Martial arts is something you can do forever. 
why not continue to learn something new? I mean, you know, I'm 42, brother. I can't jump over 27 people anymore, you know, <laughs> but, but I can still jump over some people because I still work it a little bit, you know, a little, even broken neck and all, but I can learn to grapple better. I can learn wrestling better and it's not as hard on me because I don't have to go compete at NADA if I don't want to. I can just train for my health. I can train for self-defense. You know, I can train at my level. Uh, it is still self-defense because you're never invincible. I don't care who you're doing, what you, who you are, you know. But for me, it's like, man, I can always grow my knowledge, you know, to just better protect my family too without putting myself at risk. So, I mean, people don't always look at it that way, man. But Ernie Reyes was – spearheaded a lot of people in my generation uh to be able to think about that so you've got a lot of old school taekwondo and karate people they're not trying to be mma guys they're a lot of people are taking the right mindset and really trying to grow and evolve that mindset and rewind all the way back to danny dream he was one of the originals to do it yeah well man i will say too like uh fuller circle right i don't have i started off training with caleb in yep. Clark, clarksville right so at that time, uh, and Caleb had the traditional background, right? He has yep. a Taekwondo black belt. He has even an Aikido black belt. He got when he had surgery on his chest. Uh, so, but I didn't have that. All I had done is no gi grappling. And then he added the gi program and jujitsu or my black belt in that. And uh, had always kind of done MMA with them and kickboxing and boxing. And, but now, like, honestly, like kind of why I started that conversation where I did is because like, seeing those two things back to back got me into it like what you're saying like from the other perspective though i'm like oh i don't have this traditional background but this is super cool i want to do flying sidekicks right now <laughs> so but it went to seeing that first in 2012 that west coast demo there was a portion where uh ernie uh, master master senior came out and there was this big mma section where they were yep. doing boxing and i was like Oh, that's so good. They're doing it all in the drums. Doom, doom, doom. There you go. Yeah. Uh, just such a cool um, experience. But then I would see you cool, doing man. demos at, at school gyms and stuff. And we had a demo team going at the time, man. And it was just, uh, it was inspiring me as just an MMA guy, you know, so. Sweet, man. And don't we wish more people had that mindset? Yes. You know, I mean, everybody likes what they like. You know, and I mean, I, I, when you get embedded, you know, like whether you're your instructor, like just, you know, from a martial art point of view, which is also it transcends to we could be talking about any subject. We could be talking about any any activity, gymnastics, clubs, places of work, whatever, I guess, you know, schools, whatever, fraternities. But like when you look at it, like from an open mind, you go, OK, as a martial artist, what is your goal? You know, if your goal is to learn to protect yourself, you know, uh, have good health. Uh, and have a good time. Um, for some people, they add, I want to compete. You know, I want to get competition value out of this. Uh, for some people, once they start any of that, you know, they go through some of those steps, then they get like us and they go, okay, now I want to be an entrepreneur with it. Even though if they don't know that, you know, it's okay, I want to go teach a class. Or I want to start a club or I want to, man, I want to go open a full-time studio or whatever, which may also lead to other things, podcasts, YouTube channels, you know, after-school programs, you know don't do that uh, all this different stuff uh but i mean it, it's like everybody's kind of got a different different way of looking at it but i wish more people you know looked at martial arts okay even if i don't do all this business stuff it's still okay to learn other things you know because think about freaking the best mma fighters in the world right now 
You tell me John Jones can't do jump spin hook kicks, tornado kicks. How about George St. Pierre? How about Anthony Pettis? You know, how, I mean, any of the new breed guys, you know, how about mm -hmm. yourself? I mean, you, I mean, people have evolved. Fighters have evolved. And the, it's not the guy that's just best at one thing. I mean, sometimes people have that elite skill at one thing and it carries them. But, you know, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir probably that, like, it's the best guys evolve and they're willing to learn different stuff. And you may not be real into BJJ, but obviously as a fighter, man, you better get your skills up. You know, you better know your, your mechanics. And you may not really be into kicking, but, man, you better learn how to kick great. And where better to learn that from some great high-level karate point-fighting taekwondo guys, right? For sure. You know, and, two, you mentioned Pettis. Like, Pettis, Ben Henderson, and Wonderboy. Yes. Three people that just like yourself, like, damn, those guys make traditional martial arts seem so cool. Like yeah. it, they use it. And I, you know, it's so easy to get caught up. I remember the first super show I went to and Alan Shade was talking about this the other day. Uh, he said it used to be a little bit more like that, but I, I think that was maybe the first year that they had like Greg Jackson and also, right. But uh, there was like this weird little divide between like, those are the traditionals over there with the MMA guys <laughs> yeah. but there was there, yeah. and he even he mentioned it right and I was like yeah it was kind of weird I do remember some people that just had that MMA background like making weird comments and yeah. I, oh like oh they're coming to this Greg Jackson seminar like ha ha and I'm like no but this Mike Chat seminar over here looks real cool dudes you know I mean but yeah and and I don't care what you're doing I mean you're gonna always have that with people but people like us like and I've 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 probably pissed people off over the years. I know I've got people say, oh, well, Joey's, uh, he's, you know, cocky or whatever. It's like, I'm just so confident in the fact that I want everybody to be open-minded. Like, I know that sounds almost contradictory, but I'm like, no, man, like, it's, you know, your way is not the only way. My way is not the only way. You know, like, there's other ways. And if you really open it up and look at it, no, you may not do everything Mike Chat's doing. Maybe you don't have that charisma. Maybe you don't even have that athletic ability. But what can you learn from him from a teaching point of view that's going to help you with your wrestling students, your boxing students? You know, can you learn dynamics? Can you learn teaching presentation? Can you learn controlling your group? Can you learn crowd control? Uh, can you learn how to hype people and how to, how to make your class more of a storyboard so people don't get boring uh, and bored? I mean, it, all these great things that you can learn from extreme martial arts or even a great background and traditional instructor that's had development and teaching development, child development, or even presentation development. And a lot of martial art professionals don't even think about that. But if you're an instructor, if you're a teacher, you got to think about all those elements because that's what's going to create success on the floor. Your people are going to be more engaged. They're going to want to learn. They're going to grow. They're going to want to stay which is hugely important. And then, you know, then you can kind of go from there and then you're going to teach other people to do that. And the people that just want to stay in their own lane um, and, and not grow, it's like, I'm afraid they miss out on all that opportunity, you know? So I push people. Doesn't sound like I'm passionate about it, I'm sure, but uh, I, I love the mindset. So like on that growth mindset, like how, you know, I've owned a school since 2012 now, right? So how long did it take you to kind of develop this open-mindedness? Did like you have like, did you struggle with like dogmatism? Cause like that might've been something that was instilled in you at some point. Is it something you yeah. overcame? Cause you're, I mean, uh, like, I just like the business that you run is, is inspiring. It's, it's awesome. It's, I've watched you for years and at some point, 
you became that, right? But and it's like I, I kind of when I started going to the super shows, man, that's when it really started <laughs> clicking for me. Is yeah. I was seeing people do things and I was able to replicate. But it, it you know, yeah. I was doing and still it's an evolutionary process. I'm going through stuff right now where I'm like, why did I think this way about this for this time? Why? Twelve years of thinking that way. Right. But you know, how, how did you get to that mindset? I think. Well, I don't think I know. I know what happened. Um, a couple of things. Like I've, I've always, I guess, I've always been open-minded. I've just that's just, just personally, I've always been the person who was kind of open-minded. So whether it was growing up, um, you know, I, I I don't know, but I've always been you know open-minded to people and 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 opportunities or trying out new things or whatever with a little bit of a safety net, and you know, so I guess you know, it, none of, none of that none of that's ever bothered me, but I, you talk about dogma. You know, I think that growing up in the traditional Taekwondo organization, a lot of people, now you can look at that as like, Oh, you're Gracie BJJ or, you know, any other association. It's all the same type of networking, same type of thing. And they want you to do their thing, you know? Um, and for a lot of reasons that can be really great for a lot of reasons that could be life-saving, life-changing, all that kind of good stuff. And then for a lot of people, that's just not the right fit. You know, they need more independence and, and movement or whatever. So you just got to know who you are and you got to know what your capabilities are if you're going to go into owning a studio or, or any of that. Uh, but without going further into that, uh, for me, I think listening to my instructors as a teenager talk about other studios that were um, successful, almost like it was a bad thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like what you're saying, like the, the, you know, like some of the BJJ or MMA guys were making fun of the karate guys that came to a great Jackson seminar, you know, or whatever. And it's like, wait a minute, man, like they're coming to learn. They're coming, like you had to start somewhere. You were a freaking white belt at one, one point. I mean, at least this guy maybe has 10 years of skill in this other thing that you don't have. And now he's coming and saying, Hey man, my, my cup is empty. You know, let me, let, let me learn some of this. Like, you should be applauding those guys. Like, hey, bro, come over here with us. I've got some experience with this. Let me help you out. That should have been their mindset instead of being dicks. But that's, that's the other thing. But when I listen to my instructors, you know, or in some, not all of them, not all of them, you know, but a lot of them, you know, the mad because the guy down the road, you know, has 100 students, you know, in their head that's successful and, you know, doing well. So, oh, they're a sellout. Oh, they're commercial. Uh, you know, they're a belt factory, you know, or whatever. And I, I would look at them, I like, in my head, I'm, you know, kind of figuring out, I'm like, man, wait a minute, you guys are doing belt testings every two months, and a lot of those kids are terrible, like, really, like, they're, and you're not even correcting them, it's okay if they're terrible, right, like, it's okay if they're not good, and now, now I have a whole different way I would say all this, I'm just telling you, this is how teenage Joey was processing it, and I'm like, I, you know, you guys are no better than anybody that you're trying to tell me you're making fun of. You know, like, and you don't know what their skills are, or whatever. So I'm like, you're just mad because they're doing what you want to do and you're not doing it. You know, I mean, there's a lot of jealousy. It's like, I don't want to be that guy. You know what, man, I, I want to, you know, when I open the school, I want to, you know, I want to go all out. I want to give all these opportunities. I want to, you know, I have these different programs. And if somebody's successful, I want to say, hey, man, why are you successful? You know, like, how did you get that many people? I just didn't really think having hundreds of students was a real thing because I'd never seen it. Kind of like you're talking about super show open your eyes right because you're like these are real mother these are real people that have all these students that are doing these things and this guy lives in a community that's a lot like mine this lady okay her town's twice as big as mine but 
she can't do anything I can't do. You know what I mean? And you start seeing that. And for me, it was like, I started getting, um, before Maya, before Super Show, there was NAPMA back in the day. And uh, that was another association started by different guys uh, uh, that, that basically were doing the same thing. Business training for martial arts, you know, and all that. And I started getting their magazines and looking at it. I read through it and go, this guy doesn't have 300 students. This man, this lady doesn't have three. Nobody, nobody really has that, you know, because I grew up in a studio that half the time worked out in the hallway of a dance studio with six students at any given point in time, right? So I'm like, I know you can kind of get better, but I hadn't really seen it. But once I started seeing it, I'm like, I'm gonna have to go to one of these conferences. I'm gonna have to really do this because surely it is possible, you know? And, and I just believe that we could do it. And once, once I got to open that studio and was doing that for a year and a half or so, I just thought, man, I've got to be able to make some money because I don't want to go get a real job. <laughs> I don't want to have to go work at the bank or I don't want to have to go whatever. Like, I love martial arts. I've got to find a way just to make a living doing this. And I just, I went to a conference. I went to a weekend thing, kind of like you talked about. And I really saw people legitimately doing that. And I saw how they were breaking it down and I saw the systems. And for me, like I already had the open mind to it. But for me, once I saw it, I'm like, oh shit, it's on. You know, like I can do, I can do this, man. And went back and decided, man, I'm going to, you know, we're going to start a billing company. I'm going to get with a billing company. We're going to raise our tuition because I know I'm as good as this guy, this guy, and that lady. And I'm surely worth more than that. And I started figuring out how to do upgrade programs, started figuring out how to maximize the floor. Uh, and really just, I turned the faucet on, man, at about 18 19 by the time I really paid attention to all that and just never looked back, you know, I mean, it, it's, and I've always been like, I've all, like I told you, man, I met Max not too long after that. And uh, even though he was so different, I just, I wanted to learn from him. I wanted to, to get what I could get. And, and, and I wanted to give him, I, I kind of got to thinking, I always have a, tr like, I want to take care of people, you know, and I want to, I want to help you. I want to give you value and, and make you better and, and, and help you go because I feel like people did that for me along the way, you know, and I know that sounds corny, but I guess, you know, I was doing that with Max, you know, getting him at my studio. It was all about getting him to quit throwing people through mirrors, getting him to quit cussing at kids on the floor. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, bro, you got to be more professional, wear a cry, you know, shirt, you know, come in with your affliction and your holy jeans every day. Let's, let's change this up, you know? Uh, and that was cool you know, to be able to, to, to see that. But, you know, so since then, I've always been that way, I've always kind of thought that even through all the really bad stuff, um, you know, the one year of breaking my neck, getting divorced, going bankrupt, that was cool. Um, but you got to keep an open mind and you got to keep a positive mindset or you're never going to survive any of that junk. Well, man, and I know that uh, just what little I do know about you, like all business people and everybody that I've ever listened to is like, take risk, try things like, you know, do this, do that, start an after school program, buy a fitness center or whatever it is, <laughs> whatever it is that you did. Right. But, um, yeah. How did you break your neck? Like I, I, I remember mm. hearing that. What was this an accident? What I was with my kids, man. Um, and it's, it's so wild. Everybody's like, Oh, were you doing one of your flips or that's what I thought. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Like that or the people that don't really know. Cause they just think it's all the same. They're like, Oh, were you fighting in a cage or you do whatever? And I'm like, no, I mean, actually, it's the least sexy thing in the world. I was just being a dad, and uh, my kids, you know, Ella was, gosh, maybe six years old, my daughter, and my son was like two, 
and I took him to the park by myself, uh, went, went to the park, and also at the very same time, their mother and I were getting divorced, you know, so we were separated, and we had been married for almost 10 years, uh, you know, so you can imagine all that's going on, uh, and we're navigating that. Uh, anyway, get the kids one day, take them to the park around the corner, they're on the big playground thing, and man, I jumped up to be on a platform with my daughter, and I didn't see a big iron beam that was coming across. And when I jumped up to be on the platform, uh, I went head first into it, like a car wreck. Um, knocked me out, of course. I woke up. I had fallen down off the platform on the ground. Um, I couldn't really move. Bruce, my son, I named him Bruce, uh, would come off the slide and was, you know, he was just two. And I could move my head. I could feel it. I was looking around. Anyway, long story short, I was half paralyzed on the left side of my body. So I was able to hop to the truck and open the door, kind of get Bruce in the truck. Ella kind of climbed in. And because I could drive, I had my right hand and right leg. I know I should have called an ambulance. I should not have done any of this. But uh, got in the Tahoe, drove around, went back to their mom's house. Luckily, she was still home and um, got out and and you can imagine how awkward that was, right? We're in the middle of divorce. We're separated. I went and got them, whatever. I have to come back and I'm hobbling. And I'm like, I just, you know, fell and hurt myself, whatever. And anyway, I had to lay there in the middle of their floor for like an hour to, you know, kind of get to where I could, you know, leave. And I, I went to my apartment and next day went to the doctor and they put me in emergency surgery because I had fractured and had to have, um, uh, couple of couple of basically replacement surgery I got replacement discs I didn't get fusion because of the insurance